Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So there I am, sitting in, what you talking about, Willis, when I get the news <laughs> that I can't go to work today. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the story I want to tell. <laughs> when I started DJing, I was a teenager and I had to go through a booking agency to find any work. And by that time, the business had gone ugly. It had gone sour. The checks always bounced. Oh, geez. And so I ended up working for, you know, two, three months at a time without getting paid and not knowing that's how show business works in a lot of places and you have to get out of it. Is that an experience you've had anywhere, Penn? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And so I, I told everybody about that, that was thinking about going to that company, that was going to be a problem. And that caused problems for my future bookings in that town mm -hmm. for a very long time. And then when I moved out here, what I didn't know is that that guy had become a food and beverage manager for one of the two duopoly companies here in town, mm -hmm. running most of the casinos. And I could not get a DJ job in a mainstream casino. Ooh. And that is why I have nothing to say about podcast networks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is Penn Sunday School, and to our listening ears, all angels sings and round us rings the music of the sea. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Donnelly. We're broadcasting from Show Creator Studios South here in Las Vegas. The things we, we haven't talked about Penn winning Wheel of Fortune. We haven't talked about uh, when Penn saw the Fooler's Tour and did the Fooler's Tour show. He was somewhere in Tulsa. Uh, here he is, Preach the Love, Penn Gillette. I'm preaching love, and I can't be anywhere in Tulsa without being at the Bob Dylan Center. That's right. That's what I did all That's the what time. You did. And the people that work, great guy named Stephen uh, Jenkins, uh -huh. who runs the whole Dylan Center. Yeah, That's yeah. his thing. It's his Dylan Center. Should be Steve Jenkins Dylan Center. Ah. He laughs at me for how much I, uh, how focused I am there. <laughs> the guy whose job it is. Yeah. Through all the Dylan archives, he goes, it's a little much, isn't it, Pet? <laughs> <laughs> he comes up and he taps me, you know, because I'm so intent on what I'm reading. He stands next to me for like a long time and then finally taps me because I'm so focused on the exhibit. Well, you, you have a, a unique style of fandom. <laughs> because most people, when they become zealots of something, <laughs> yeah. they get so far into it that they become critics, mm -hmm. you know? So they become such an expert as they actually can't wait to line up their critiques of this album or actually mm -hmm. compare this to that. It's actually, and then other Dylan fans do this and I hate this. And you seem to just block all that out anyway. So you keep all of the supreme nerddom of any true <laughs> Dylan fan without becoming a picky asshole. I try not to be. I yeah. Mean, my thinking is, and I've all, and this is very, 
this is kind of sort of ish going away. Mm-hmm. I try to wait for it in my children and I see little glimpses of it, but it's less common than when I was a child. I think I've talked about this before. Now that everything is singles, everything is essentially what we would call 45s. Yes. Everything is. Everything is the world. So um, there was a thing that I used to do that I'm sure people do now. There's just a different way of doing it. Mm -hmm. But the way I used to do it was I would get an album, you know, and when I bought an album, it was a big investment. It was like three or four dollars at that time, which is, you know, would be 30 or 40 dollars now. Yeah. And also I was a child. Right. So that That's was a money. lot of lawn mowing, yeah. which is what I did. I mowed lawns for the Kramers. Two brothers lived across the street. Yeah. And I, um, I had a paper route. Actually, I, would, I had worse than a paper route. I had the worst kind of paper route possible. I was a paper route cop. Oh, no. There was a throwaway newspaper called the Town Crier. <laughs> okay? And it was a throwaway. Which means it went to, uh, you had, they had to give it out to every, every, every house. house, every house. Whether they subscribed or not. And you had all sorts of rules. Like you couldn't put it in the mailbox. It was a federal offense. So you had to put it, you know, someplace like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody liked the Tom Cryer. Nobody. Right. And they would hire paper boys. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think all of the paper boys except me just threw them in the trash and got their money. Right. Ah. Or didn't do the whole route. Yeah, yeah. I did the whole route. And therefore, I advanced very quickly through the ranks. <laughs> so I became what was called root supervisor. Yeah. Root supervisor, which meant I had to go to different places and rat people out. Oh, my god! That was my job. And most of the time, I took my bicycle, but sometimes in that way that we were so embarrassed of when we were children but now when we do it for our children, we don't care at all. My parents would sometimes drive me at my job. Mm-hmm. So they're doing my job while I'm doing my so the job. The whole family yeah. was narking on all the young paper boys. Exactly, exactly. So I would go to the doors and I'd go, excuse me, I'm from the town crier. Have you been receiving your town crier? They would go, yes, we don't want to get that anymore. Please <laughs> tell them to stop. <laughs> Sorry, not receiving it is not an option. Have a good day. Exactly. (laughs) So that's what I did. That was my job. And because I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I actually did my job. Whereas anybody (laughs) else was root supervisor would have called up and said, everything's great. Yeah. And then they wouldn't have gone out to narc on people who didn't do their job. Right. It's a perfect ecosystem, right? You give us the papers. He throws them away. I checked to make sure they were delivered. I say they were. I come back. Everyone's Did happy. any of the other children, were they aware that you had this job? I don't think so. Okay. Not because I kept it secret. No, no, no. But I just, because I didn't know who the paper boys were. No, I'm sure they would never even occur to them to figure it out, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they just, assume, most kids just, if they get caught, you're like dead to rights. You're like, ah, oh, damn it. I got caught. You just think, you just, you know. You weren't thinking, who? Yeah. Who turned me in? <laughs> You're not trying to look at Sydney and going, yeah. what do you mean you pled guilty? And, and also it wasn't like, had <laughs> some like morning report like, Gillette, get in here. <laughs> We're suspicious of Samantha's route particularly. We need you to crack down. <laughs> Give me everything you know. Yeah. They gave me, they gave me houses to check particularly. <laughs> and I would go there. I mean, probably I could owe my whole career to the town crier. Because if you've got the balls 
to knock on someone's door yeah. and say, did you get a piece of shit paper that they don't want? And every and everyone's answer is the same. Everyone. We don't want it. We don't want it. <laughs> we, we have been getting it good. <laughs> everyone's answer is that. I think if you have the personality that keeps doing that, you can have your own theater in Vegas. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any other skill required. Fuck juggling. Fuck talking. Fuck doing magic. It's just a skill of. Did you get the towel crier? Uh, yeah, good. We want. We don't want to. We don't want like to. Like getting a knock now. You, I can't knock over here. You knock, knock. Hi, I'm from Google. Are Are you getting your Bed Bath and Beyond email? <laughs> yes. No. I bought a piece of soap there once for a Christmas party, and I didn't realize I had signed up for a thing. I can't figure out where the unsubscribe button is. And every fucking day, I'm getting an email from Bed Bath & Beyond, and I don't want it. Thank you. <laughs> that was my job. That was your job. So, and I had it for a while. And I, I don't know how, what I got paid. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I should say I signed an NDA. And this, <laughs> this is the one NDA you're I'm honoring from the town crier. Buttoned up. The, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. Can't give you that information. Sorry. <laughs> totally. If you'd like the nuclear submarine codes and you're really rich in Australia, I'll lay those on you. But, <laughs> but my but, salary for the town crier. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Lip sealed key is in my pocket. <laughs> and everyone after that event was like, I even told the guy I don't want it. <laughs> Like at the next block party. Yeah. And they're bitching about the town yeah. crier. Like, no, I met the guy. <laughs> I met the town crier guy. It's just a child. <laughs> but I said to him very, very clearly, I don't want to get it. Now, for two weeks before that, I hadn't been getting it. After I told him I didn't want to get it, it's coming like clockwork. Also... There was another job at Root Supervisor, <laughs> which is the other horrible job. Anyone who was sick, yeah, which meant too sick to come, get the towel criers and throw them in the trash. <laughs> too sick for that. I had to take over his route. Oh. So sometimes I'd be doing two or three routes in a week. This. Everybody's. I'd be doing everybody's route in places I didn't know, neighborhoods I didn't know. Whoever uh, thought of to, this, whoever, not to pretend that I had to go to like South Central. No, 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 no. <laughs> or Cabrini Green, Westfield, Massachusetts, <laughs> dodgiest corners. Uh, but also, whoever thought of this around the time that you started doing this mm -hmm. was like, I figured it out, guys. I'm a genius. And then you stopped doing it, and then no one else did it. No one else. <laughs> with, uh, certainly not do both parts. Right, right. There's no way you found any other teenager who could do both parts. Right. Right. With family support. Yeah. Guys, like I thought, I figured it all out. It was really helping out the town crier. Turns out, I found Pendulette, and now <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the one guy who did this job now has his theater in Las Vegas. <laughs> he can't do it anymore. Can't do it anymore. Town crier's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> he would because he gave us two weeks' notice. You know that no one else. <laughs> he gave us two weeks' notice and didn't say fuck yourself. I think if we just tell him that he did say he'd stay on. <laughs> That he did sign paperwork that said he would give at least two months notice, so therefore he still has to work. He'd come back and do it. Yeah, yeah, and that's true, by the way. 
So you still own a house there, yeah. right? Yeah. So when you go, when crier. you go home, how many, how many town criers are sitting there? Well, they're very careful <laughs> about that house. They go, when you go to Forty Eight Place Terrace, you make sure you, because he's a narc. <laughs> make sure that town crier. He still, I've checked, I've checked the records. He still owns the house. <laughs> So now there are exactly yeah. 53 years of town criers every week. So 52 times 53, yeah. which is ready? About 2,500. About 2,500 yeah. town criers piled up. Mm-hmm. Actually, the whole insulation yeah. of the house is now town criers. Some of those coupons had to have expired. <laughs> Some of them had to. Some had of them had to. to. Yeah, an awful, awful at Friendly's. <laughs> Can't get that anymore. Can't get that. <laughs> And I've told you many times, that was the name of the milkshake. Yes. And then it said on the cup, it was a specially made cup, and it was plastic, like reusable plastic. Yeah. It said, awful, awful. Awful big, awful good. Oh. Uh, Boom. That went away really fast. (laughs) Turns out people (laughs) don't like ordering things that say awful. Well, there's terrible herpes here. Yeah, terrible herpes. Which is amazing. They keep going. Yeah. Let's go to terribles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks so much like Terrible Herpes. It does look like Terrible Herpes, and it seems like you could live up to his name should you go off. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first moved, I was like, really? There can't be a place called Terribles. And then I was over it after a week. Yeah, yeah. You live here, you're like, yeah. Then you found out that Arizona Charlie's was really terrible. It just wasn't <laughs> named that. <laughs> They're far, far, far more because it was below that bar yeah. than you think. Yeah, there's here below in town. terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right here. Yeah, don't even, don't even go to prom. Eureka sounds triumphant, but no, <laughs> no. no, not no. when you arrive. No, 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 not the Eureka Casino. No, so I would make my money. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I made an honest buck, <laughs> <laughs> and I would buy a record, right? Mm-hmm. Take the record home, and I would listen to it. Now, when I took a record home to listen to it, I didn't, you know, put it on the background while I was doing something else. Yeah. When I listened to records, this is this is so embarrassing. I would listen to the record and take notes. You know, oh, this line is really, I like the way he pronounces this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I'd listen, um, probably when I bought a record, I probably listened to it a dozen times without stopping. You know, just boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, boom. There were songs, I couldn't even perceive this. Now looking back on it, there were songs I didn't like, but that wasn't an option. Right. If there was a song on the record that wasn't my favorite, I would say to myself, I'm not understanding this. Mm. And I'd play that one particularly, drop the needle and listen to that more than the others until I understood it. You are what every musician dreams of. And I would say, you know, well... Uh, this was when I was a little bit older. Uh, Lily Rose Mary and the Jack of Hearts mm-hmm. seems like a throwaway song mm-hmm. on uh, Blood on the Tracks. So let's really dig into that. Let's really listen to it and see what the characters are and how they're working together and what they're really going for here. You know? Yeah. And so consequently, I'm one of the only people who really, I, I say every day, every, every, every uh, week on this show, I say you become naked. Yeah. Which is from Revolution Number Nine. Yeah. Which incidentally, I know Revolution Number Nine very well. Right. You know, that's that, you know, that weird uh, track. That weird track on the Beatles record. Yeah. That uh, is on side four. Yeah. Third cut. And you 
people don't listen to it much. No. You yeah. fast forward or say that's the end. Right. But you, there was no fast forward. They had to pick up the needle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it forced people to be a little more like me. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I'm at the Dillon Center, I go, oh, man, chimes of freedom. <laughs> I know that's really good, but I, I don't think I've listened to it enough. So I stand there at chimes of freedom, mm -hmm. whereas the songs that I love, Tangled Up in Blue, is eight feet away. Yeah. But I'm there at the chimes of freedom. And, and of course, Man in Me, which everybody knows the man in me from Coen Brothers movie, um, the, uh, Jeff Bridges' uh, bowling. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Lebowski. Lebowski. Everybody knows that is the title theme of the big Lebowski, just like, oh, it's a Dylan song. Yeah. But I'd never really dug into The Man and Me, so I listened to four different versions and read about how it was composed. And then, if you want to really find a time yeah. when I'm uh, when you cannot get through to me, when just like people could like be slapping me in the face and I'd be like focused. Yeah. Uh, they had Joker Man, which is from Infidels. Mm -hmm. They have on a screen, like a screen, um, like a regular screen. You know what a screen is. <laughs> But I, I want to describe, it's like uh, Rectangular? vertical. Verti instead of horizontal, okay. it's vertical. So it would show the, the shape of a page. Got and, it. and it's very big. And they have 12 drafts of Joker Man by Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. Some handwritten, some typewritten. Okay? And the screen is interactive, touchscreen. You can go through each version as he revises it. And then it has an interactive feature, I believe, that's called the Pendulette feature, <laughs> where you can tap a line of the song. Mm -hmm. It'll then bring you all the versions up and how each word oh, in that line changes. Oh, yeah. That's great. Oh, 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 it's so good. In order, like uh, historically? Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. So you say, oh, he just... He, he was really interested in the dragon here, and now he's not. <laughs> you, you know, one day he came in and said, "Fuck that dragon," <laughs> and it just it just it goes through that. like that. You know, and he's you know, um, water cannons, Molotov cocktails. The order of the atrocities changes, and you can see how the rhythm of the song changes. It's just incredible. You know, I really actually because I haven't been here for five weeks. So one thing I saw was Peter Pan goes wrong. I saw it, yeah, and I was fascinated to talk to them afterward and say like, I basically was like to all of them, like what the hell is your filter? How do you, how the hell in a show that does that many jokes that fast, that often, and so many different kinds of jokes, how do you figure out what's in and what's out? Mm -hmm. And they were saying, oh, well we change shit all the time. Yeah. We, we add this, we actually, you saw a line tonight that we're cutting after tonight. It was in for two weeks and now it's out. Uh, and to told me that line and said, whatever. And I think it's fascinating is I have another uh, friend who directed uh, The Foolers who's directing The Play That Goes Wrong in Indiana. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's fascinating that he's being handed this finished, printed, boom, body of work to be directed, this show, mm -hmm. compared to what that show was in the minds of the people who first performed it, which was this living, breathing, changing piece of art. That transition to me is like so crazy to me. I, I when working with the wrong boys, yeah, uh, mischief theater. Yes, no one calls them the wrong boys, but mischief theater. Yeah, I call them the wrong boys. Fuck them, the wrong <laughs> boys. I was rude supervisor for Tom Cryer. <laughs> God damn it, we were working on Magic Goes Wrong. Yeah, it's just God damn. That's a good show. I wish they bring yeah. it back. Anyway, 
there's always talk about it, but um, Henry's taking his solo version off Broadway, I believe, as we speak. Uh, I know. Uh, I mean, I'm I, I get paid and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still want the the full. You thing. want the full thing, although uh, uh, Henry's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. One of the greatest performers ever was. Just a genius comedic performer. Genius. And and also has, as far as I can tell, no flaws. Yeah. Which is nutty. We'll find I mean, him. We'll get there. You, I, this root supervisor. <laughs> I've been assigned to find Henry's flaws. <laughs> no, but you, you know, you, you've met him. Sweet. Yes. Kind. Yeah. Intelligent. Yeah. Uh, educated. Every single work ethic. You could, not to say the other wrong boys like, don't have. No, no, no. But, uh, but all of them is like. Passionate without being grandiose about mm-hmm. it at all. Yeah. And also, I found them too brutal for my taste. Oh, just in, uh, out, what's in, what's out? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. a little bit too brutal. <laughs> I know you're supposed to be brutal. I know you yeah. have to kill your darlings, but I would go, oh. You're used to it, but only from one person. <laughs> you're used to Teller being able to do No, Teller doesn't cut stuff on me. Oh, he doesn't? You know that Teller never does. Never says cut Actually, I'm saying that like the surprise. I actually know this for a fact. Yeah. Because one of the reasons why I have to work with you more is because he knows I'll talk to you about lines. <laughs> <laughs> no, he won't say a word but about lines. Yeah, yeah. I'd fucking kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be all town crier root supervisor. No way. No, I would kill him. Uh, <laughs> You're right. So in the process, it's fast. Even saying no. Really fast. Like, no, nah, it doesn't work. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be in the audience and I'll see, uh, like Jonathan doing something that I, I really like and it's not quite there. Yeah. And you go backstage and they go, that's out. And you go, oh, oh. I thought he was going to be, but you know, they end up with great stuff. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I'm able to do that in our show. Yeah. I don't have to talk to anybody. You, you but you, you, it's a lab environment. You, you have a lab environment all yeah. the time. Yeah. So I go out on stage and I just, all of a sudden. I'm, I'm there going, I just didn't do that line. Good. Yeah. You know, I haven't even decided not to do it. It's just, uh, it's almost at a subconscious. No, actually, an example you're talking about right now is that in The Foolers, we did Misdirection. Misdirection, mm-hmm. obviously, is a staple of the show. And I stole show. something from you. Oh, oh. I got to tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, you say that first. Well, we went and we rewatched the first time it was on Fallon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's not the piece. Yeah. It's not... It hasn't gone through the experiments yeah. Yeah. and even found playfulness, like little lines, like you're, you're just going through elements where you've stopped and found moments in it and stuff like yeah. that. And we were like, jaw dropped it. Like, oh gosh, this is so strange. <laughs> we're seeing a, uh, we're seeing an early, we've clicked on the line and yeah. we're seeing an early version yeah. of a trick that we were doing where, which, where it's well-written within an inch of his life, you know, and it got there. It wasn't written whole right. cloth. It was, it got there. So it was neat to see an early version of it. Yeah, well, uh, the one I got from you yeah. that I, if you would suggested it to me. You would have hated it. I would have hated it. Yeah. But, because uh, you first suggested it to me in an earlier version. Yes. And I hated it. You hate it. And then I did it. Yeah. And I went, oh, I liked it. <laughs> then you had a more intense version. Yeah. Um, when I say, how many people saw Teller come out, get the chicken yeah. and leave. Yeah. And you said, try being a little disappointed. Yeah. That never crossed my mind to be disappointed yeah. because that really isn't in my vocabulary. Yeah. I don't really look out at the audience and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, do that yeah. any place on the show. Right. And I've never done it. Right. And I just went, oh, because when I did Comedy Central, you know, since I wasn't writing for me, yeah. they were writing for me and I did all the voiceovers and they were, I think I probably finally worked with a couple dozen different producers. Yeah. They would write lines for me that were so out of my style 
of comedy, but it was my job. Yes. So I had to find, find a, way a way to deliver them. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I find, like, oh, yeah, well, I can do that now. Yeah. And it would sneak into the show. And I've never done disappointment in the audience reaction. Yes. You know, Piff does all the time. I've done a miracle. What? You know, that. Yes. I've never done that. I've never done that. And this one moment you said, be a little disappointed. So I went out and uh, it's that I, they, it's, it's a mislead. They think the misdirection yes. is going to be they didn't see Teller take the chicken yes. and the misdirection is another step. But at that moment, I always would go, okay, now how many people, just okay. Yeah. And then you used to be a little disappointed. And I went, oh. So I went, oh, and it just felt really good on stage. Yeah. And then I saw you do it and you went, oh, that is even more. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd have suggested that to me, yeah. I would have hated it. Oh. But I was sitting in the audience going, oh, you just said, oh, it's even more. That's a really nice, funny idea. More people saw what you're misdirecting from yeah. than saw the misdirection. Yeah. That fits in perfectly with the idea of the bit, yeah. which I didn't think it did when I saw it on paper. So now I started doing that and went, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, no, it was actually, <laughs> it was actually some show in Iowa. Where it was authentic. I was authentically struck by more hands <laughs> coming up. Yeah, and I thought it was something that's even more. I got this huge laugh, and then everyone said, "You got to keep that." Yeah, and and I was like, "But I authentically saw it." Yeah, and they're like, "No, no, no, just do it." Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> see, the thing is, when I don't have people working with me on the lines like yeah. you do, right. and we don't have a director, right? I didn't know I was going to steal it from you. <laughs> oh, right. You just, it just came out of your mouth. No idea. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. idea I was going to steal it from you. Came to that moment. I went, oh, that's more. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you know, because I had to find a different way to act it than you did. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, because I'm playing off of Alex. And everything yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a whole different different way to play it so you're doing it almost to another person yeah and i've got to do it almost musing yeah and that's that's a different, a different quality yeah. yeah yeah so I, I didn't know i had an angle i didn't know i had an angle uh, but i had an angle being able to uh shout it should be all of y'all it's a gorilla with symbols mm -hmm. is one of the greatest moments of my life <laughs> i miss saying it and the fun part for me was i authentically would just look for a lazy person who wouldn't raise their hand <laughs> So I always did it at someone in particular. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I just, what I do for that, because, you know, we, we've been up, we've been selling better lately, so we're up on the balcony. Uh-huh. And uh, people there are very far away. Yes. So uh, whenever there's house lights up, yeah, I try as hard as I can to put my eyes way up and look at the very back. back. You know, I saw, uh, we did a show with Garth Brooks. Mm -hmm. I only met him once. But our, our, our mothers had died, uh, both of our mothers had died uh, like a, within a year. Mm -hmm. So we were both in that, in that level of grieving mm -hmm. that was the same. And um, it was funny because it was a Christian and atheist who were both mama's boys right. talking about losing their moms yeah, yeah. backstage at the Hollywood Bowl. Because of that, I never talked to him again. I'm not in touch with him. I don't have his email, nothing. Don't anything about Garth Brooks, but I always feel a warmth a moment. about him when I see him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I watched him perform, I saw something that I think I've heard people talk about, but I've never saw anybody do. And it's so strange. It was a benefit for something, which I, I should care about very much and say why I do. But it was, it was John Williams and Steven Spielberg, and uh, we did a thing with the Symphony Orchestra, which was fabulous. Very cool. Straight Jacket Escape with us finishing the song on the instruments. We had, oh, to, we had to escape the straight jacket in time to take over the song from the, from the, 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 the symphony. 
And uh, it was a good bit. It was a bit way back from asparagus. And um, we don't get to do much because we only had symphony orchestras four times. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of amazing people on the bill, but Garth, Garth Brooks, hes I guess he's still a superstar, no doubt about yes, it. Yeah, but yeah. at that time, he was at a uh, very hours. peak, you know. I know all the bad people in town. What was the name of his song? <laughs> Friends in Low Places? Yeah. <laughs> I know all the bad So we click on I Got Friends in Low Places, and up comes uh, I Know All the Bad People in Town Scratch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know all the bad people in town, and we're chums. No. <laughs> Friends is better than chums. Yeah, yeah. Mm, bad people. Uh... <laughs> anyway, dragon. Anyway. No, no dragon. <laughs> so, so there is in the the uh, the hoity-toity seats mm -hmm. are you know Steven Spiel every every any celebrity every all the way through there, and then way up on the grass are all the people that waited in line for tickets, and bought tickets, and. Springsteen has talked about how uh, he wants real fans down in the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he plays down front. But Garth Brooks has a whole different way of doing it. I felt his entire set, he didn't do a whole show, of course, his entire yeah. set. And I saw Garth Brooks again at, um, at a smaller place. It's also true. It really feels like he's doing the show to the person the last row. Wow. His head stays up all the time, his eyes stay up all the time, and he's gazing over Steven Spielberg's head. And it's weird, because you would think you would feel down front like he's ignoring you. Right. But you don't. No. You feel like we're all together. It's, it's an yeah, amazing- Yeah, yeah, you like you're close. I bet, you, I bet you just feel like you're closer to this giant thing that's happening. Yeah, and, uh, and you, you know, you, you can read it in books about showmanship, that you're supposed to play to the last row. You know, Houdini would always stop playing to the right, last right, row. Right. But I don't think I've ever seen someone do it because I think with uh, with video and stuff, uh, I mean, Mick Jagger doesn't do it. No, you just assume the video is giving them everything. Or something. Yeah, yeah. But Jagger plays to the people up front mm -hmm. and, uh, and Springsteen plays to the people up yeah. front. But Garth Brooks, it was like, wow. I wish I were back there. <laughs> <laughs> That's powerful. Yeah, really, really yeah. powerful. So during that moment of it should be everyone, I try to really Garth Brooks it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is wicked hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard because it feels on stage so fucking awkward. Right. To have people here and play to people that can't see you as well. Yeah. You know, you want to play face to face. Yeah. So I I try, and it's willpower with me, I try to get my head up and get my eyes up and look up there and remember that that makes the people up front experience it stronger. Yeah. So that's what I do there looking, looking, looking back, you know, yeah. that line. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So I'm at the Dillon Museum, mm -hmm. and now I'm into Not Dark Yet, But It's Getting There, which I believe is called Not Dark Yet. Yeah. Scratch out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> for the title. Not dark yet for the dragon. And uh, it starts out not dark yet. What one of Dylan's most celebrated songs, and mm-hmm. rightly so. I no longer look for anything behind anyone's eyes. Uh, <laughs> starts out with lost love, as Dylan very often does, and then just expands to all of life. And it's a it's a chilling, tear jerking, heartbreaking, brilliant song. Okay. <laughs> so I get the headphones on and I am as focused on anything as ever. I'm watching uh I'm watching what how the baseline has changed over time and how he's interacting with it. And I'm paying real attention to Tony, who's his bass player at that point, Garnier. I'm really listening to uh the phrasing he's doing. Because some of the some of the uh lyrics are a little bit heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to how he's doing the phrasing, he pulls it back. So you discover the heavy-handedness and he doesn't give it to you. You know, it's really interesting with Dylan what he underlines. Mm-hmm. One of my many flaws as a speaker is I tend to uh, underline in uh, predictable ways. And whenever I underline in unpredictable ways, it feels richer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm studying Dylan doing that. And I've had kind of a, a peripheral feel that there are maybe 50 high school age people that have swarmed in because it's not a Saturday. I usually go on a weekday and uh, uh, there are many fewer people there, but it's pretty crowded today. Uh, I get the sense, I mean, walking from one exhibit to another, I'm not interacting with anyone. There are a bunch of high school age students and I'm wearing, as I often am, my PIF crew mm-hmm. uh, sweatshirt. Yeah. And I have the headphones on and I mean, Teller saw me there and Teller was afraid to wave to me. <laughs> okay, that's how focused I am. And this, the director of the center yeah. walks over to me, he told me, and then decides I'm too focused and walks away. Even though what he's going to give me is a tour of a back room. Yes. Okay. He, he still thinks I'm too focused to tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden I get tapped on the arm, which I'm not offended by, but I'm kind of like, oh. I, yeah, I was, yeah. I, uh, so I pull the headphones, pull the headphones off, because you get a little headphones when you go around there. Pull the headphones off and I look, and it's a... High school age boy. And he says, excuse me. And I go, yes. And he goes, "Uh, where'd you get that sweatshirt? (laughs) And I said, "Uh, Piff gave it to me. He's a friend of mine. And he goes, cool. End of convo. (laughs) It's funny. Uh, And I had to right away write to Piff. Text him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Over the moon. Over the moon. Pulled into Davenport, Iowa. I was wearing my uh, Piff the Magic Dragon shirt. Didn't that begin with a, a yeah. band song? Yeah, yeah. Pulled into Davenport. <laughs> Piff sweatshirt <laughs> on my back. We're the dragon. Um, and so scratch. Um, it is a dragon. Yeah, yeah. He's a dragon. <laughs> with, I think uh, you would want me to correct that. He's a magic dragon. He's a magic dragon, yes. So I get on the thing, and then the guy who works the hotel, I was at the front desk, it's on the thing. We're all, we're all going up. And uh, my light tech, young guy named Ben, great guy on the tour with us. And the guy goes, hotel manager says, um, got a lot of nerve wearing that in this, in this, this area of town. And I, so I said, I just stared at him. 
and then it was an awkward amount of like like ding ding the elevator's going up. It's an awkward amount of time. That light tech just finally goes, Why? Because <laughs> I was giving them the air. It's like I was like, this feels like a let a setup, but I don't want to step on the joke. I'm just gonna leave it be. I'm just letting letting the pregnant pause sit there. Yeah. But it went too long for my light tech's taste. Yeah. He goes, Why? And he goes, Oh, it's just that he, he's really popular and then you guys are, I guess, competing with him. Oh, that's a nice that's a nice solution. And I <laughs> We just both looked so disappointed. <laughs> That's the lamest response to a setup that you, it was a bold setup and you had nothing behind it. We both think he was hoping that the elevator floor was going to come before he had to answer. <laughs> he just let off. Whatever. Because you know he pillaged our village. That's the answer you want. He once killed a man just for snoring too loud. <laughs> we ran him out of town. Yeah. For, for blasphemy. You know, he didn't have tar and feather on him before he played this town. <laughs> We Teller was had the bellman bringing down his uh, luggage, yeah. And the bellman, this is when we played um, Tulsa. Yeah, we play River Spirit, which is Margaritaville Casino. Did that guy? He didn't make enough money to not die, did he? <laughs> but very close. I mean, talking about people like uh, uh, just just squeezing that stone, getting blood after blood f- from a stone. One fucking song, one billion dollars. I mean, no one has made more money except possibly Dave Seville and the Chipmunks. <laughs> oh, I'll speed up the tape. Bingo. <laughs> we'll give you all the money in the world, sir. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll enunciate really clearly and speed up the tape. That was David Seville's idea. Wow. What's David Seville? You know his real name? Ross Bagdasarian. See, you, everybody else, trying to eliminate the Armenians, That's aren't me. you? I'm part of the problem. Yeah. I'm part of the problem. Uh, so the bellman's bringing down the thing. He goes, uh, we had a magician here a couple months ago. He had a dog. <laughs> He's pretty good. There you go. Yeah. No. Like I say, my sister lives in Paris. And then someone who's been to Paris goes, where? And I was like, well, shit. I'm stumped. <laughs> Paris was enough information for me. Yeah, yeah exactly. And this is that. He's like, he had. I know. I know. There's a comedic magician with a dog. <laughs> Don't think anyone's going to ask me any follow-ups. Right. Exactly. <laughs> one further inquiry. Yeah. As to what's was, happening. Was that uh, Alex Ramon? What? What? Uh, oh. Oh. Uh, oh yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> was it Mister Piffles? Yeah. Or was it MJ? That's right. There's two magic dogs that I know of. Two magic dogs you've worked with. That's two magic dogs I've traveled you've with. with. You've traveled. I've, I've with spent t- time in intimate environments with multiple show magic business dogs. dogs with yeah. Magic dogs. Magic dogs. It's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing to have. I believe that like uh, day ten, I had told myself I have to stop talking about Mr. Piffles every time we talk about MJ because like it just has to be annoying Alex <laughs> that I, I just. I, but it's so weird to be able to relate. It's so weird to have. I also have traveling with magic dog stories. I would like to share them. <laughs> no one asks me about them. <laughs> but that's like, he has to be sick of me bringing it up. So that's why I have a, uh, that sense of the album. Yes. Which expands. When I uh, first started listening to Dylan, mm-hmm. I was 14, 13, maybe younger. I mean, I knew Blowing in the Wind and stuff before that. Right. But we where I really started focusing was actually a guy named Bob Dolan who first turned me on to Bob Dylan. No. And yeah. And he's a lawyer now in Greenfield, Massachusetts. And a friend of mine, an old girlfriend, 
of mine, my first girlfriend, really, first real love, um, she said she was at something in like a yoga class and Bob Dolan was there. And uh, she said, I've read things Penn has written about Bob Dolan turning him on to Bob Dylan. And he went, oh. There you go. <laughs> Wasn't he the one that ratted me out when I had that paper room? <laughs> he cost me 12 bucks. Yeah. Well, no, not 12 bucks, six bucks, maybe. Six bucks. <laughs> that guy still owes me six bucks. But um, I decided that Dylan was good, right? Mm-hmm. And I decided that Dylan was an intellectual challenge for me. Mm-hmm. So then it became anything Bob does is good. Now, people will scoff at you for that. There's a, there's a great deal of um, big swing and dick in saying, you were just saying the same thing. I really like Van Halen, but you know, that guitar solo on Da-da-da-da-da is a little weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I hate that more than anything. Because I, I don't think that it makes you look more intellectual. Yeah. But it actually shows that you don't want to grow. If you just take arbitrarily, and I, I say this, I, I think it may be, you know, um, uh, Stephen Banks said to me, you may think that modern music lacks the depth that we had. What it lacks is the amount you've listened to it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You, you know, you listen. You'll assign the meaning to it as over time, or you'll just dig into more. Yeah, more. I mean, uh, I really would like, and I'm not going to, you know, although maybe I should. Maybe I really should. I would like to listen to a Taylor Swift album or a Beyonce album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess those are the two biggest. Mm-hmm. Those are the equivalent of the Beatles now, right? Yes. Yeah. Taylor Swift, bigger than the Beatles, I suppose, but right. in, in the same ballpark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Playing ballparks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> playing gigantic ballparks, yeah. whatever they want. Yeah. Yes. That, that, that's what I, and I've listened to quite a bit of Taylor Swift, yeah. but I haven't put on like one record, like Midnight or one of those records mm-hmm. and just burned it. Like, yeah. like I'm talking about 50 times Yeah. till not only do I know every word, which is one listen. But um, until I know where the drum hits behind each syllable are, where they're going to come, can anticipate the bass note, understand her phrasing on every word, I got to think there's more in any Taylor Swift song than there is in Eleanor Rigby. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, although I don't know if Paul McCartney broke up with Eleanor Rigby and was writing a hate song. <laughs> Karma. Yeah. So I I think that at a certain point, it goes away from the artist and becomes arbitrary. And by the way, that's what friendship is. Yeah. Friendship is you bump into somebody randomly. Uh, it has to be randomly. Yeah. It's, you know, because of geography or time or whatever, you bump into someone. And as you dig deeper into who they are, there becomes a a, a real bond there. Now, some people get thrown out, right. you know, Don McLean gets thrown out, Bob Dylan stays, you know, that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But in friendship, it's the same thing. But there is something separate from the content, beautiful in the commitment to understand the content. And that's the part that's so important to me. Like maybe if there were some objective way to look at it, 
the man in me is a weaker song than Chimes of Freedom or a weaker song than Tangled Up in Blue. Uh, it's certainly a simpler song. They're, on the, on the surface, there's 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 less intellectual interest. Mm-hmm. But you dig into that song, the very depth itself is of value. Right. Whether you're when you meditate on just a mantra that's repeating the same thing, right. that depth that you find, you aren't really claiming that depth is in the mantra. And I'm not in. That's any, a great. And now, yeah, it's a great way to look at listening to songs. I'm not in any way dismissing no. the, the value of the art. I'm just saying that also digging in, it becomes symbiotic. Yeah. The relationship with the two and a really, really nice thing. Yeah. In fact, you're answering the critical nature of what you're saying. It's a very beautiful notion. That's actually a really nice way to look at it, I think. Yeah. So um, I did things at the Dylan Center that um, I really like doing. There's a opening film when you mm-hmm. go in, a video, and it's a whole room. And in the room, they have a piano and typewriter, some da, 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 uh, duplicates of what Dylan used. There's a big screen in front of you, and it's, it's one of the most beautiful rooms I've ever been in. I mean, without Dylan, it's just a beautiful room. Mm-hmm. Every wall is a complete video screen, and then on each video screen are other video screens of different shapes and sizes. And the video screen behind shows something, and then each one pops up as the one content goes through. So you have, for instance, uh, Dylan uh, talking about uh, growing up in Hibbing, mm-hmm. and you have Dylan's face talking about it, and then you have a parade from that period of time in Hibbing, like home movie showing on one wall, and, th- and then everything is beautifully done. It's just gorgeously done. And you can have... Dylan talking about Tangled Up in Blue, and over on one th- wall is him performing it in um, Ronaldo and Clara. Then you have another thing of the all, all the lyric sheet going by with his changes on it. They're all popping up. And it's meant to be watched from the front, and then you have the other stuff peripherally. Well, I went in, watched the whole thing with Stephen Banks, yeah. and I went in again, watched the whole thing with Mark Garland. Then I went in by myself, and turned to the side and watched the whole thing just on the side. Then I went in again and turned to watch the whole thing on the back. Oh, my God. And you see the people that run the Dylan Center going, oh, come on, man. Come on. Just calm down. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? We get it. <laughs> you know things about the man. By the way, we're a little sick of this. Why aren't you? <laughs> That's, uh, you know, my, yeah, I, I, my example of this always is when Sarah and I used to live near Yankee Stadium, just a couple of subway stops in Yankee Stadium, so we could spontaneously go to day games. Mm-hmm. And if we found a good deal of tickets, great. If not, there's a whole bunch of bars and stuff across the way. And so we piled into a bar across Yankee Stadium one time because we missed out on a good deal of tickets and we didn't want to, you know, do whatever. And in the bar, across from the stadium, filled with everyone wearing Yankees gear, you would swear I was in Boston. The way they just ripped on every Yankee compared to old Yankees and how they're, how they're not good Yankees <laughs> and that kind of thing. You know, yeah, like that to me is like, this is what I mean. This is what I'm talking about. Like, they're like, you're around so long, you literally found a way to make your way to the stadium to sit near it and just rip every player apart because <laughs> you're a truer fan than but the next I, person. Uh, yes, I understand that, but yeah, I don't yeah. want to say the people that Dylan said are like, <laughs> I, was, I was saying that mostly to make fun of me. Yes. The yeah, people yeah. there seem very enthusiastic yeah, 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 and yeah. very into it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly, certainly like, like all the stuff. 
I look through it and they have, you know, the original release. I go, I got that. <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. Did you end up going to the back room? Oh, yeah. Okay. They also have, which is really funny. And this is, this is so funny. Mm -hmm. They have, uh, I didn't see it in person. I saw a picture of it and a description of it. They have, because, you know, they bought everything from Dylan. Yeah. So they have everything Dylan threw in the back room. They have, you know what mailbags look like? Mm -hmm. Like the Houdini escape from? Yes. To put it in terms that. <laughs> I was going to say, you know that I relate only because Johnny Thompson has a mailbag escape in his right, book. Right, right. But yes, I do know giant mailbags. Giant mailbags. That you recognize from uh, Christmas movies where they bring them in and show all the letters from Santa. Right, right, right. In the courtroom. It is overflowing. <laughs> overflowing, right? Yeah. And. It says in the caption picture, this overflowing, it says, 1965, fan letters to Bob Dylan, unopened. <laughs> oh, man. So, boy, the little rude supervisor in me. <laughs> when they delivered it, that's fine. <laughs> hmm. An overflowing mail. those letters. Yeah. Of all, you oh, know. Oh, man. Comments on uh, yeah, to yeah. Bob Dylan, along with Christmas cards from all four Beatles. Oh my and, you know, a Christmas card from Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it just, it just stuff. Insane. That he, and, you know, um, an incredible postcard from Pete Seeger going, everyone's saying I hated your electric performance at the Newport Folk Festival, and I was running around with an axe to cut the power cable and screaming you were awful. None of that's true, Bob. I enjoyed the show. I was trying to get them to mix the bass down a little bit so the vocal would be stronger. That's all. I don't know how this got out of proportion. Sincerely, Pete. Fascinating. <laughs> I mean, just fascinating. Because that story lives on. Yeah. yeah that that view does. of the Newport uh, plugging in. Oh, they also have the Newport Folk Festival electric performance. Right. And you hear at the end, and there is no doubt there is booing. Yeah. No doubt. There is more applause and more cheering. Right. And that's just not part of the story. No. But there's booing there. I guess it's, it's actually in no one's interest to right. tell a nuanced truth on that, right? Because mm. Bob gets to be the crazy rebel in that story. And brave. And yeah, yeah. No yeah. one's interest. Also, uh, in defense of the whole band, I mean, uh, Levon Helm later when they were being booed, yeah. couldn't stand it. Got off, couldn't stand going on stage and being booed. Yeah. I imagine if... You were out on stage and 20% of your audience was booing you. Yeah, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Yeah, and, yeah. And your memory of it would be that everybody was booing. It was one of my worst shows ever. Because if two people don't like the show, yeah. you're heartbroken. Yeah. So imagine 20% of the audience going, boo, you Judas. <laughs> Which is what they were yelling. Right. You Judas, boo. I can't imagine that if you did a lie detector on Bob Dylan and said, was everybody booing, he wouldn't say yes and pass it. Right. If lie detectors, detectors worked, worked and that again, and the guy but, <laughs> who was running it knew how to run it. And... <laughs> but, you know, because I, I would have certainly, had that been a, my rea a reaction to show I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have told that story forever. Everybody was booing me and I would have believed it. Yeah. Because it's like the people that are, pl fuck them. <laughs> you know, I have a friend who was at that Newport festival when Bob went electric and he said, we were in the back cheering. We just loved it. Everybody around us loved it. Yeah. But that, you know, that's not the whole audience. No. And we know one person yelling boo. Yeah. 
So picture at that festival picture. One person not smiling once. Yeah. <laughs> not even picture. booing, but just, just 200 people. Boo! No. No, you're not going to like it. It's that. awful. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So I'm going to change the subject drastically. Let's do it. Before you do, yeah. we had a Bob Dylan question come in the mail a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it relates a little bit here. Do you want to hear it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the gist of it was... The person had been to a concert maybe 20 years ago, mm-hmm. years back, and wasn't prepared for it, mm-hmm. and is planning on going to another one soon. Wants mm-hmm. to know if you have any advice for what he should listen to on albums uh, currently that he should uh, oh, well, prepare that's, for. That's a really good question. It it, is. It's a really easy job because Bob's set lists have been uh, have been more static. Uh, the Rough and Rowdy tour, uh, which is out now, he's been playing. Well, he kind of did some surprising things. He played a John Mellencamp song when he was in Indiana. Oh, nice. He's been playing um, some local artist song, one oh, cover in every city. I think he actually did Springsteen, New Jersey. Oh, I got to find out what song he did. So you don't, you don't know what that's going to be. Yeah. But you can look at the set list and listen to all those songs and really know those songs. That will help you tremendously because it's really hard to... Um, Sometimes, for anybody, it's hard to understand all the lyrics. If you know the lyrics well, and you can see what changes he's putting in, what phrases he's putting in, if you know the songs and the arrangements, I mean, some of them will be startling. Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden, it'll go, oh, I didn't know Masters of War was reggae. You know, there'll be that kind of stuff. Right. But if you're familiar with the material, and because we have the uh, the inner tube that you can look things up, you can find the set list of the city he played last night. Yeah, yeah. And then you know that's going to be very close to the set list you're going to see whenever you're going. And then I would just, I would just, I would put together a playlist that's those, that set list in order. Because so you can hear the nuances. Sometimes playing musically different than the album on totally. certain tracks. Yeah. Totally. So you do, but if you, you know the album, that'll right. help you see what he's, what he's exploring there. That's, yeah, that's what I'm And one of the things at the Dillon Museum that's amazing is, Tangled Up in Blue, which is his third most played song in tours. Someone might know. But <laughs> that song has done incredible lyrical lyric changes. And they they chart the lyric changes with his divorce. Ooh. And what words changed. Because Tangled Up in Blue is really interesting as Bob moves the eye around. The first person moves around in that song. Never heard anybody do it, but in some songs, he's the um, the guy who comes in after the relationship mm-hmm. and breaks it up, and sometimes he's the guy that starts relationship and has it broken up on him. Oof. So where the eye is changes, and I can't think of another example no. uh, of an artist doing that. Going okay, well, first person is now going to be that guy. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Murder song by Aurora. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah. Changes from the guy to the girl. Yeah. And Elvis Costello has done that as yeah. well. 
Um, he, he did a whole song that matched it. Yeah. But um, one of the things is it's a couple, right? And in the one of the earlier versions, it's, I'm going back to there. I got to get to her somehow. And then the very next iteration, which is a couple of years later, is I got to get to them somehow. And now he's not interested anymore in finding the woman. He's interested in finding the couple. Yeah. Which, very different thing. Very different thing about bonding and friendship. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Very cool. Thanks. That goes up to Chris Harris. Okay, good. Now, Thank can I ask guys. you to change the subject drastically? Please. Um, Lenny Bruce. Oh, yes. Who incidentally is a song by Bob Dylan called Lenny Bruce. So it's not that drastic of a, it's, <laughs> no, we really can, a it's really a segue. We can say, well, that's because Bob Dylan, we can segue into anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can even segue into segues. Lenny Bruce, who is responsible um, for stand-up comedies, we know it. Mm-hmm. Not not alone, but he's certainly no. one of the ones who's responsible for stand-up comedies. We know it. There's, you know, I, very hard to imagine you'd have Richard Pryor without Lenny Bruce, and without Richard Pryor, you don't have anything. Right. You wouldn't have George Carlin without Lenny Bruce. Right. Lenny Bruce, very very important comedian, um, had a very short and tragic life in some ways because of fighting for First Amendment rights. Mm -hmm. Of course, when there's drug abuse involved, it's always hard to decide. Chicken, effect. Or, chicken or egg, yeah. yeah, yeah. Lenny Bruce had one daughter, one child, uh, Kitty Bruce. Mm -hmm. Kitty Bruce is a wonderful, wonderful person. I think I've met her once, but I've been in contact with her. No, not much. Right. Prevenge is really good friends with her, and a lot of people are really good friends with her, but I'm not. But I, I know her just a little bit. But a wonderful, wonderful person. And did an awful lot, just so much to keep her father's legacy alive and did so much to present his material out there and did so much to help other comedians, kind of in Lenny's name. Not to dismiss her at all, but she, she kept a lot of the heart of her father going. She's about my age-ish. Mm -hmm. I mean, plus or minus 10. I mean, I don't really know. Mm -hmm. uh, she's having... Incredibly serious health problems now. She has, these have turned into financial problems. Mm -hmm. And a lot of comedians have gotten together and there is a fund to try to help out Kitty Bruce. You know, I, I, I dropped a little jingle. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot, you know, uh, but I, I, I helped try to help Kitty a little tiny bit. There's a website. If you're interested in, uh, in, in, uh, you know, laying some do re mi on, uh, on Kitty Bruce. Yeah. You can go to, it's a weird website, Give Butter, G-I-V-E-B-U-T-T-E-R dot com slash Kitty Bruce. One word. Kitty Bruce, K-I-T-T-Y-B-R-U-C-E. GiveButter.com slash Kitty Bruce. And, uh, you know, just lay some jingle on it. If you don't want to lay some jingle on her, which is fine, you know, you everybody has... Every charity is valid, with yeah. the exception of the ones done by people in Congress. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of charities, and we have to. We all make our decisions. And I'm not saying that this is the best one, but if it if it strikes your heart at this moment, but if you don't want to give any jingle, please go to givebutter.com/kittybruce. You'll see a video there of people talking about Kitty and Lenny Bruce. It's done by Paul Provenza, although I don't even think he's credited. But Paul Provenza. Put it together, edited it, I think shot a lot of it. And um, Triumph, the insult dog. Oh. 
talking about Lemmy Bruce is one of the finest two or three minutes oh, I've great. ever seen. Triumph is is just uh, hysterical. You know, Robert Smigel. Michael. Yeah, Smigel. Yeah. Hysterical. Yeah, yeah. And it's shot really funny and Prevenza edits it in in great, great way. So you see Sarah Silverman talking Speaking from her heart. From her heart. Yeah. And then Triumph. I don't want to give away the jokes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Triumph, the uh, insult dog, being just brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. In case you're interested. Yeah. In case you want it. In case you want to, you should go and do it. And I promised, uh, I didn't promise. Prevenza said if you want to bring it up on the podcast, that should be nice. Yeah. So, uh, so now, so now I've done that. Givebutter.com slash Kitty Bruce. Kitty Bruce. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, if you don't know about Kitty Bruce, uh, you know, you might want to find out a little more. Yeah. She's an interesting person. It, it's so fascinating. Those people that, uh, that keep alive a family legacy, you know, yeah. you see the way people choose to do it. You know, Moon Zappa has a very different way than, than Kitty Bruce yeah. doing it. You know, uh, Lord Buckley's daughter yeah you know they're remembering someone they loved very much and they're also in the public eye and they also it's a it's a very complicated thing and one that uh i'm very glad i didn't have to deal with i think yeah. you know kitty bruce having to decide in her life how much of her life is dedicated to her father yeah that's that must be a really tough decision yeah, yeah. i, I uh, would, wouldn't wouldn't pretend to understand it at all no but uh uh, Lenny Bruce was certainly important, and uh, Lenny Bruce certainly got a raw deal. Uh, you know, he yeah. finally he finally was pardoned. You know that I know, which is so crazy. Was it posthumous? Yeah, 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 well, yeah. yeah by yeah, yeah. forty years. Yeah, yeah, it was posthumous, but he was pardoned. So Lenny Bruce is no longer convicted of obscenity. Oh, good. <laughs> it was it was our buddy Bob Corn Revere. That's right. That led that led that up and got him got him pardoned. Uh, yes, along with. Kitty Bruce. <laughs> right. Kitty Bruce was a big part of getting her father pardoned. Yeah. So I love Bob. Bob does great work. Yeah. Now, and he's now working at FIRE. Yeah. Which I don't forget what it stands for, yeah. but it's one of the freedom of speech things. And Sigrid, his, uh, his wife, Sigrid Fry Revere, mm -hmm. his wife is, um, she's trying to do a whole database of canceled comics. Oh, Wow. Uh, and, uh, Dara Godfrey is helping her. Speaking of Kitty Bruce, yes. Dara Godfrey. Yeah. Dara Godfrey is, uh, is, you know, balancing. And I, I speak with her every day, text with her every day. Yeah. Uh, communicate with her every day. She's, you know, she's balancing that, you know, how much, how much is being Dara Godfrey and how much is Max and Lily and their family and how much is remembering and keeping alive. Her husband's work. One of the things that's fascinating is that uh, Dara still runs the Patreon for Gilbert's podcast. Mm -hmm. And that went through like an instant transition to just doing great things for his legacy. Mm -hmm. And and also like her, uh, um, the daughter, made Lily. Like a, Lily made a doc. Yes, very nice. About her, about her father's artwork. Yes. Which has some wonderful appearances by me. <laughs> <laughs> that's winning awards, by the way. That's amazing. But that's the thing is like it's a... Uh, it's a, it's a, you thought without the podcast, should you still want to support it or not? Turns out it's just a fascinating way to stay on top of Gilbert's legacy. There's all kinds of different things popping up all the time that Gilbert is memories of, is, is alive and thriving. It's pretty yeah, great. Yeah, he is. We're working, we're actually uh, working with Dara and a few other people on a TV show. So, uh, you have something to say there, Ready? Just clarifying his visual artwork. 
the documentary. Yeah, yeah, visual artwork. And it's Foundation for uh, Individual Rights and Expression. Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. That's fire. Now, this I'm, let me just talk. I'm, I, we haven't been on the show for a while. No. We go a little long. What the fuck? I'm bothered by acronyms that I believe are done backwards. Mm. I do not like You that. start with the word you like, and then you try to build meaning into the word. Yeah, and they do that all the time. Acronym. And it pisses me off. Acronym. Acronym. Acronym, yeah. I do not like, oh, we're going to call it fire. What can that be? Fight for individual. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me see. Um, uh, could be uh, could be um, freezing Inuits retire early. <laughs> freezing Inuits retired early. Good fire. That's, That's good. good. No, shouldn't it be related to free speech? <laughs> well, we just wanted words, right? <laughs> well, they should be tied in. Well, freezing Inuit is tied in. The Inuits are uh, they they yeah. live they live in a culture in the north of the Arctic Circus. It's cold. Last I checked, it's cold up there. Yeah. Freezing Funny. Inuits retire early. Yeah. Why wouldn't they retire early? They're freezing their nutsacks off. That's so sit warm in the igloo. Yes. Yeah. That's it. For backronyms, does anybody have Gary Busey's phone number handy? <laughs> I, I do. Okay. Let's run fire by him. See what he's got. <laughs> I think uh, frozen Inuits retire early. Is yeah. Good. Exactly. Finally, get those guys some sunshine. Literally. Yeah. But you know what fire really stands for, Eddie? What's that? Self-contained underwater, underwater breathing, breathing apparatus. apparatus. That was Ben Sunday School. That was Ben Sunday School. Cha cha cha. You become naked. Now scuba, I believe, is a good acronym, right? Because I don't think they said how do we get this to spell scuba. They didn't. <laughs> See, that's a, that's the acronym by which all others are measured. Yeah. Scuba is the perfect acronym. NASA. Is a fine acronym. Yes. Fibby. Well, that doesn't stand for anything. That's a fine initial. Switty. Switty. Yeah, sitting warmly in the igloo. <laughs> Switty. <laughs> you know we love you. Hey, Matt Donnelly, Matt Donnelly, Matt Donnelly. Do you have anybody to thank? Yes, I want to thank the fine people who support us at Patreon.com and keep this podcast afloating. And I think we'll answer some questions Reddy's gotten recently right after the credits as well. I want to thank Erica P. Heartless. My noodling sounds dirty, but it, I kind of like it. Harry the Gorillagician, Don Dottie, Kevin Burke, David McLaughlin, Old Bear Greg, Carrie, Charlie Sheets says trans rights, no shit, Sherlock, and Shelly Ruger. Those are three different names. Timothy Carver, get well soon, Timothy. Jenny loves pen like pen loves Dylan. There you go. Oh, that's very nice. So click on all your weird tricks that you've done, figure out which ones, why you change stuff. Stephen Brace Girdle wants to know if you're saying Magic Castle or Magic Asshole. <laughs> Coach Rat Bastard, Emery the Extra Longshoreman, Brian Curry, Jamie Swan, My Dixie Wrecked, Will Jason, <laughs> Dave, I want to finger your cunt Brenner, Sunday Sinner Pod, Tristan Connett, Omar Rivera, Vile Eric Gila, The Bad Humor Man, Aaron Boyd, Mason Gooch, Vaughn, DJ Double Chicken Bearhoff, Sagebrush, Matthew Mishu, Luke Mellon, Eileen Hunter, Samuel Stewart, James Sinclair, Kevin Krovchek, Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Average Seal, Ben Price, Matt Williams, Soapy Fresh, Brad Sherlag, Mike Cavanaugh, Rafiki, Stephen Feldman, Jonathan P., Vote for Trump 2024, and NewRuleFX.com. 
We got vote for Trump 2024. That's someone changed anyway, their name to that. Thank you. I love you. And we have a trans rights person. So we, 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 have, we, we have the spectrum here. It's the same person. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it is. It is. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. <laughs> Two points of confusion over the advertising recently. Yeah. It's mostly because we gave all the information across three episodes instead of one. <laughs> People weren't able to compile it together. They don't like that style? It's what won World War II. The first question is, if we're not doing ads anymore, why am I still hearing ads? Okay, so great question. I didn't know you were. No, uh, is that uh, we are still trying to figure out how to properly divorce ourselves from our previous media company. Ah, I see. So our RSS feed is still maintained right now under their umbrella. There's a company that hosts our podcast that has our RSS feed. Yeah, this is really the point of confusion. Yes. Distributorship okay. and networks. Yeah. So the network initially paid for our distribution place. We're going to keep our distribution place, but we, we're just waiting for some emails to officially divorce ourselves and start paying for that station ourselves. And we just haven't done that yet. Okay. So the way that I, I think is best to think about that is yeah. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom <laughs> is the network. Yes. The ads that we said in the to show. To use a contemporary example. Yeah. The ads that we said in the show are what we don't have anymore. Yes. Then the ads that the distributor are shoving in there after the fact we don't have any oversight of. We can't. So the ads that you're hearing, by the way, we're getting paid zero dollars for. If that's what you're so don't curious listen about, to them. so don't listen to them. Yeah, which and is nothing new, right? <laughs> which is nothing te new. Te technically, <laughs> why we're not with the other company? <laughs> those ads you heard for the last year, we <laughs> we, we weren't being paid for. Yeah, but we but we thought we were up until like about a month ago. We thought we were. Yeah, yeah but we weren't. <laughs> So, yeah, we're as angry about those ads as you are. Maybe more. <laughs> and maybe I'm the most angry of everybody. Ben is, ben is definitely the right to be way more angry than you are yeah, yeah. about all of that. Because yeah, yeah. Reddy and I's check still cleared. <laughs> they did. Because that came from me. <laughs> so, once again, if you're a patron, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings us to the other point of confusion. Okay. We said... That we're relying solely on Patreon. And some people took that to mean we're switching to Patreon, which is not the case. We've been with them for, what, two years now? Yes. Yeah. Roughly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we may not. Uh, I have got a Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom. Uh, Glenn's cooking a deal with Mutual of Omaha. Yes. Or the modern equivalent. And we they, there's, there's a couple companies that have come up and said, you know, we could just cut out the middleman yeah. who took all the money. <laughs> And uh, just directly support it. Yeah. And it, of course, if we're going to do that, yeah. the company that we will have will be so carefully vetted. Yes. I mean, more than yeah. we even did on the ads to make sure it's something we really like and really feel good and give you. But this will be clear. So if you still get ads, you can still sign up for Patreon and it's the same episodes without the ads. You know, the podcast I listen to. Yeah. And I always want, I'll talk about, I'll do a whole show on this sometime. Yeah. Is Andrew Hickey's yeah. uh, History of rock music and 500 songs. So good. So good. Uh, and I do that with the- and it's patron page. only, right? Uh, no. You, no. You get a regular, but if you do the Patreon, you get extra supplementary stuff. Yeah. And you'd say, you'd say, well, wait a minute, Ben. If this podcast itself is going to be 650 hours, why do I want supplementary stuff? <laughs> and I would answer back, I'll see you at the Dylan Center. <laughs> Yes, and the, and there'll be more as we continue to focus on Patreon more 
there will be more advantages to having that RSS feed besides just getting the ad-free episodes. Thanks. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.